Hello and welcome again to the wide world of wargaming. As always, I am your host, Alex Gonzalez, and with me is John. Uh, we got a couple of hosts out tonight, but that's not a big deal. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. It is all centered around SoCal Open that just happened at Del Mar, California this past weekend. You know, it was a major event for both 40K and AOS, and, you know, they had some other specialist games scattered in between. Uh, it was definitely a great time, and it was at the Del Mar racetrack. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's always great to be in nice sunny Del Mar. Uh, John, what is on your workbench? Hey, Alex, how you doing? Well, I myself am uh, just home from the SoCal Open, like yourself. Uh, Donna and I, my wife and I, we drove down there. Uh, it was about a six-hour drive. Got back yesterday afternoon and uh, uh, went back to work today. So what can I say? Uh, weekend is over. Uh, I also had a great weekend. Uh, as far as what's on my workbench, I'll be honest with you, I'm still a little recovering from the weekend, and so I, I hate to dis disappoint people out there in podcast land, but there is literally no beverage on my workbench right now. I'm uh, going dry this episode. If I probably even took a sip of the old Glenlivet or something, I'd be snoozing uh, before we got back to uh, round two, as it were. Uh, I tell you what, though, something fun kind of happened over the weekend uh, as Everybody knows I've been growing the uh, Carolina Reapers, the Golden Carolina Reaper chilies all summer long and uh, grew those for some friends. And of course, even our my co-host Alex here a couple episodes ago said that he was going to eat one of the Carolina Reaper chilies uh, mm -hmm. at the SoCal Open. And uh, I posted up on my Facebook page, you know, because I, I generally offer the, the bounty of my garden to my friends. And so our buddy Tony Myers uh, asked for a couple peppers, and then he turned it into a big thing about uh, uh, people wanting to or who was going to do the Don't Fear the Reaper Challenge at the SoCal Open. And uh, so we, in fact, had a few people go for it. You know, those of you that are friends of me on of mine on Facebook probably have already seen the videos of, of course, uh, Mr. Anthony D'Amore doing his hot pepper challenge. He was talking big on a, on the SoCal open page. And then uh, my buddy and teammate, Michael Birch also uh, did the hot pepper challenge, but I tell you what, nobody this weekend did it with quite the style and quite the panache of my co-host, Mr. Alexander Gonzalez. Alex, <laughs> you, you ate that Carolina Reaper at dinner, no less. Um, how was it, man? Uh, you certainly survived. You didn't, hell, you didn't even cough or anything. How was it? Uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, you know, it had a little bit of a tangy, sweet tinge to it. I liked it. Nice. Um, I made a few mistakes when I ate it. I mean, I definitely love spicy food. And, you know, I know when you go through a challenge like the Carolina Reaper challenge, it's uh, going to be a far cry from, you know, putting some spice on your meals to enjoy it. Um, it's very much a, a test of endurance, let's call it. Um, it, uh, you know, if you watch the video and for those of you who have, you know, it, it's it, it eating it, biting into it, everything was fine. Uh, and then I... You know, I, I definitely wasn't thinking about it, and I definitely just chomped into the placenta of the pepper. You know, oh the, yes, um, the uh, the seeds and the the middle of it. And I told myself initially that I was going to try to avoid doing that, but I would in the moment you had the camera on me and uh, wasn't fully thinking about it, so I definitely chomped down real hard. And so by the time you uh, asked me to speak, you know, I definitely spoke, but I was starting to feel the heat right then and there. And if you see that video. I reached for uh, my drink, and uh, it was a mistake to reach for that drink. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it got a little bit more intense after uh, oh, drinking no. the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess the, the you know I don't drink beer, so you know the only thing they really had there that wasn't some super sweet cider was this was this hard kombucha. You know they didn't have hard alcohol there at the brewery we were at. So uh, yeah, that hard booch must have had something in it. Maybe it was the probiotic or something. I don't know what it was, but it definitely like intensified it more. So as, as our good friend, Michael Burke was, was uh, going on and uh, trying his Carolina Reaper challenge, you know, I was, I was there and I was hanging out and, uh, and everything, but there was definitely a physical reaction that was going on. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. You know, so, so, you know, Definitely had the watery eyes, of course. You know, these are things that just your, your the human body will do. <laughs> yeah, no sign of weakness but, uh, there, none at all. I mean, I mean, no, honestly, no. Alex, when you were talking to me right after you ate it, because we were sitting next to each other at the restaurant, my eyes were burning and my nose was starting to <laughs> to phlegm up just from the vapors coming out of your mouth, man. I mean, that was, there was some heat coming out of there. <laughs> I will say one one of my favorite things about it though was about twenty minutes later when we were actually eating our dinner, uh, I had like a. It was like a burp, but it was more like spitting fire. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. It <laughs> nice. was fun. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so that was, I tell you what, that was a lot of fun this weekend. A lot of people uh, got to enjoy the Reapers. Uh, what I can say, honestly, is is nobody fell on the ground twitching. Nobody had to go to the hospital. Nobody lost their hearing or their eyesight. I mean, it was it was hot for everyone who tried one, but uh, everybody seemed to survive, too. And uh, there's a few videos out there to enjoy. So, so that was that. Uh, you know, that was... Uh, as far as what's on my workbench uh, at the moment, there are no hot peppers on my workbench. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, it was you had a lot of concerned friends when it came to the peppers. You 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 have some very good friends there. There were a lot. You know, I saw a few warnings saying, you know, oh, you might. You might go crazy if you eat those peppers. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny is, uh, is I also brought a big bag of uh, sweet peppers, uh, lunchbox peppers, and some stuff like that. And I was snacking on those through the whole tournament. So so even though I had the Reapers there at my table, I'm eating, I'm eating just eating peppers in general. And people were coming up, and I'm like, hey, you want one? These are not hot peppers. And they're like, oh, you're going to trick me? I'm like, dude, I, I am so not into tricking people. Like, I'm about yeah, fair I'm warning. This is this is what you're going to get. Know what you're going to get. <laughs> and then go for it. So so some people also got to enjoy my uh, my sweet peppers this weekend, too. So it was kind of nice. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Yeah. It, it definitely was a great time. So, you know, for, uh, you know, for the pepper challenge, do you plan on doing something similar like that in the future? Right. Well, so as you know, Alex, uh, every spring uh, I reach out to some of my select friends like yourself and ask if there's anything that you would like for me to grow in my garden. And so the only reason I grew the the Reapers this year is because my friend Matt asked me to grow them for him. And uh, because of this whole Reaper challenge, I've actually already had a couple people uh, kind of let me know that they're into the hot peppers, maybe not quite, quite Carolina Reaper heat. And so I do have some uh, some requests. So I'm going to hold those close to the vest for now. And uh, but come next spring, our listeners will uh, certainly hear about what's going to be in store for the uh, the late summer action. So it, it'll be fun again for sure. It'll definitely be fun. Ooh, and, and other than okay. that, I mean, Alex, I mean, SoCal Open. You know, we're down in beautiful Del Mar, California, at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. It's a, mm -hmm. a horse race track, famous horse race track. Uh, you stayed with me over, uh, or not with me, but we stayed at the same hotel. 
which I think was the the Hilton near there. And of course, that is is completely horse themed. There's horse art and all kinds of stuff. The rooms everywhere, very sort of uh, racetrack themed. And as folks that know myself and my wife, and you know, we're very into horses. Uh, we've owned horses, owned many horses over the years. And so for us to even just be at a horse racetrack uh, and a, be surrounded by that, I'm already enjoying myself. My wife, um, who, as we know, used to game, uh, but isn't gaming right now. Uh, she actually went over to a dressage show at an arena that was right next to the SoCal Open. And so she spent the weekend enjoying a horse show. So what the heck? It was something for everybody cool. there. Yeah, it was very cool. Wait, real quick. Yeah, you know, Donna has played. You said she doesn't play. Is she is she taking a hiatus or is she just uh, uh, kind of done with it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I would say it's more of a hiatus. Uh, I think she just got a little burnt out on the corn. You know, she played it for three years straight mm. and hasn't dove into another army. So I've been uh, kind of keeping my ears open. And like when I hear her saying, hey, that looks cool, I try to see if they gauge the interest. And, and believe me, one of these moments, I'm going to pull the trigger and I'm just going to drop an entire army on her lap. Like, oh, you were saying that you liked some XXYY, whatever it is, you know, and uh, now you you have it let's go for it so i don't think she's out forever but she's definitely out for now <laughs> that's fine yeah no i completely understand that just double checking okay okay yeah so we definitely hope to see her back soon oh yeah for uh, sure. mm-hmm. uh on my workbench i don't have a lot um you know i also am post-event so not really thinking too much about you know actual hobbying but i will say that I have a cut up, <clears throat> cut up a Dracoline on my workbench with some uh, plates, and I have some stuff primed and ready to get um, to get uh, uh, you know washed in some LA's totally awesome, which is a great uh, dilutant to to get rid of uh, or a good, great way to strip paint off plastic. Mm. Um, so right now I got a big. Uh, a big bowl filled with uh, a few models I'm going to convert into some Bone Reaper heroes. And um, I also have four more gas and two Ark in the Blacks in there ready to get repainted. So I can have one as a test scheme and one as a final way to go. So I'm going to have a lot of variety in how I can try to test out my colors. And I am definitely starting the uh, Osark Bone Reaper army. So yeah, we are. Uh, we definitely have stuff on our workbench, but we're we're waiting to get rid. Uh, you know, re- be able to strip some paint, and uh, of course, we're waiting for this weekend. You know, it's it's always unfortunate when there's a staggered release, at least for me. Uh, but yeah. uh, you know, it'll be advantageous when everything arrives. This weekend is Saturday. I'm gonna get my feast, or not my feast. Yeah, feast of bones. Uh, uh, half of. Uh, that from uh, our good friend Jeremy Shrove, who is a Warhammer hero and, of course, runs Food for the Blood God and Rose City Wrath. So he's splitting uh, that with me because he is a Beast Claw Raider and Iron Guts player. Oh, uh, hey, so that's he, cool. Yeah. 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 You know, he's uh, he's he's had he's suffered enough. So he's it's good for him to get a get some good armies and, of course, get a hold of that beautiful tyrant model. Oh, right. Um, yeah, so I, that comes out, and the Endless Spells, and the Terrain piece, which uh, I just took a look at a picture of what it, how big it actually is. Yeah, how big uh, is it? It is bigger than the Gash. It is wider oh. than that kind of base. 
it is going to be an exhausting, you're going to have to, it basically comes in the middle part, the middle, uh, like obelisk, um, statue part. And then it comes in the four separate corners that all connect together. Uh, and part of me thinks I probably, in order to transport it, probably, I really hope that it like all connects and, and disconnects and is a little modular because if it's not, it's going to be a little exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Saw, saws and magnets perhaps on that. So is this thing going to be bigger than the moon mountain then, or? It looks bigger than the moon mountain. Oh, wow. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, gotcha. it's taller than the gash and the gash is, uh, it's taller than an Imperial Knight. Yeah, I taller, guess you're right. Taller. I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've yet to so, I've build that model myself, but uh, it's definitely a beautiful model. Uh, Nagash, that is. is. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only thing that's taller than it right now in the game is uh, Archeon, the Everchosen. Uh, mm. He is, I think, the tallest model in AOS right now. Really? Uh, uh, probably outside of a few Forge World uh, things, that is. I think he's taller than most Forge World. I mean, the biggest model is a Forge World model. It is by far and away that Corn Dragon. Oh well, yeah, that's, is, ex- yeah. <laughs> that's which is like absurdly t- like big. But I don't know if it's as tall as Archeon. I forgot. Oh I really? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, Archeon really is a tall ass model. Yeah, I guess so. Huh. Yeah, he's, he's a big big boy. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's a uh, it's gonna be a fun little kit to put together. There's a uh, GT in a couple of weeks, uh, two weekends from now, Wagapalooza in mm-hmm. Moscow, Idaho, the uh, DMB crew. They're a fantastic bunch of guys, uh, you know, who have a gaming club there. They, uh, they're going to be hosting their first AOS tournament or GT. And so I'm going to try to go there. And uh, they, I just got the approval. I just got the thumbs up saying that uh, they're going to allow Bone Reapers and Ma Tribes at their tournaments. So Ooh, nice. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to scout. You know, it's not gonna be a good. It's not gonna be my the list I've I've built that I want to run. But it's gonna be a list. So hopefully well, sometimes I'll you just got to get your it. your foot into an army too and start playing with the special rules and some of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really realize what what your list is. I mean, it's so so hard to just build an absolute list in a in a vacuum, having never played the units, having never seen the interactions, heck, never even you know seen the base size and how they move relative to each other. Like like weird details like that 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 you start uh, to learn once you're actually moving models around and rolling dice with them. So so yeah, I wouldn't worry myself about what list you go out the gate with. Just throw something on the table that's in the right faction and start uh, start getting inspired from there i agree i agree so you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that i'm uh i'm excited to get everything up and running i'm very excited for the the catacross model and um it's going to be just so much fun to paint that army I'm, I'm very excited to paint it um but uh you know that is a uh, not all what we're here to talk about today we're not here to Obsess over Bone Boys. We got some stuff yeah, to God knows into. I heard you obsess about them enough this last weekend at the SoCal Open. <laughs> <laughs> so, SoCal Open. Uh, you know, it was a thing. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. That's a, that's a uh, bad way to describe it. But, uh, you know, you, of course, enjoyed your time with Donna. I was staying with our good friend, Paul McKelvey. Uh, he... Has a Seraphon army, but doesn't really play AOS. Not yet. Um, 
And, you know, day one, we started strong. We were a major, you know, a few, you know, obvious drops. But, you know, Scott, of course, is a great TO. And uh, he was able to get everyone up and running uh, relatively smoothly, with the exception of two very late comers in round one. However, John, how was your day one? How was rounds one, two, and three? Sure, sure. Well, you know, uh, going into the SoCal Open, uh, I had the opportunity to practice the entire packet. Uh, I also had the opportunity to look at uh, some of the realm spells and some of the scoring mechanics uh, to pre-decide which gambits uh, I wanted to use on any particular round. And as you know, Alex, uh, I panicked on the Friday before the event uh, when our lists were due. And at, again, as I said in the last episode, at six minutes to midnight, I started with a fresh slate and wrote an entirely new list. Uh, never practiced that list. Uh, luckily for me, it did pretty well. Uh, so the list I brought was basically two plague furnaces, a vermin lord warp seer. And he, of course, had the um, master of magic trait. Uh, excuse me, he had the, sorry, the Vermin Lord Warp Seer had the Snout Grovel robes to give him an additional bubble of uh, Fearless. And then I had the Gray Seer on the Screaming Bell, and that's who had my Master of Magic. Uh, beyond that, I had 100 Clan Rats broken into 40, 40, 20, and 80 Plague Monks in two blocks of 40. So a pretty basic list came out to even 2,000 points. Going into round one, I played against Mr. Bill Curry, uh, certainly a well-known figure in fantasy and AOS, a great player, great guy. He and I have actually uh, had not met before, and we had not played a game before, so it was kind of nice to, uh, to meet a, a known player like that. What can I say? He was a complete gentleman, great guy. Now, unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, fortunately for me, honestly, uh, he was playing a borrowed army uh, that he was not real familiar with. So he was playing Daughters of Cain. Um, he brought, uh, what are those, the Canary Life Takers or whatever, the, the shooty ones. Oh, man, he had a, a couple big blocks of those. Those are pretty nasty. Uh, but really, uh, what it came down to is he just wasn't familiar with the army. There were some points where I was like, hey, I think you have this ability or that ability. And so we looked it up. And so I was kind of reminded him of a couple abilities and how some things work. Uh, so, you know, it was fun, but um, not a super tough game. And, of course, I pulled off the win, so it was pretty good. Now, round two, I played an old friend of mine, an old rival in some ways, Mr. Frank DeLoach, and he was bringing the big wall. So right off the bat, Frank and I, uh, good buddies, so we, uh, you know, spent some time BSing, reacquainting, and then we dug in and... Uh, you know, he uh, has a battalion, and I have 10 drops, so he took the top of the turn. Uh, I built myself a nice little castle. I have plenty of bodies, plenty of layering. And turn one, uh, he charged in with some big units of pigs. Mm. And um, what can I say? Uh, one made the charge, one failed the charge. He charged those pigs in. They slammed into some clan rats. They killed a bunch of clan rats. In fact... They cleared just enough clan rats to expose a layer of plague monks who on my turn buffed up, chopped, jumped in and gobbled up those pigs. Mm. And on the other flank, he failed a charge. So I was able to peel open my bubble layer of clan rats and launched a unit of monks out into those pigs and killed them as well. So by the top of turn or bottom of turn one, I had taken out his entire cavalry and um, 
because I had launched forward, I was able to jump forward again and get some, uh, oh, what are those, uh, the, the Choppa boys that he's got, just the regular troops. Sorry, I'm not real familiar with the new guys yet. So. Were, they, were they Iron Jaw type or were they Caveman-y? Uh, they were more uh, caveman-y, I guess, would be the, the greatest. They're, they're savage orc boys. Oh, that was, yep, you know, that's exactly what they were. They were savage orc boys. Uh, so anyway, so uh, took I hit that unit um, of savage orc boys and was, of course, able to take it out with a fully buffed unit of plague monks. Now, that plague monk also had the uh, death frenzy on them, and they had the prayer to reroll wounds, and they were exactly lined up two layers deep about 3.1 inches in front of his shooter boys or no i'm sorry Ooh. not 3.1 just under three inches in front of his uh shooter boys right so on frank's turn he's like well i'm gonna you know i'm gonna shoot those monks he fires the monks he had i don't know he goes he goes john do you need me to roll all 150 dice or something like that and i'm like you know what no i'm just gonna pick the unit up but here let me pile in an attack first. <laughs> He's like, no. What do you mean you can pile in in the shooting phase? I said, yeah, death frenzy. It allows me to pile in in any phase where they die. So mm -hmm. uh, so I started piling guys in. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, of course, most of them made it in. Not all of them. Some were out of range and some had other targets that were the, uh, the closest models. But uh, enough of them went into those... Uh, those arrow boys that there was, I think about six left. I didn't take the whole unit of 30 down, but I sure killed a lot of them with that pile in. So, <laughs> and of course, over on my other flank, my monks continued to do work against units that were over there. So what can I say by the bottom of turn two, Frank, didn't have a whole lot left on the table. He had uh, maybe 10 Gribbly boys here and there and a couple characters. Uh, we rolled into turn three, and by bottom of three, there was nothing left. We called it, and uh, that was that. It was a, a fun game, a great game, but uh, uh, I tell you what, his uh, launching those uh, pigs into my line first thing was uh, stretched him out a little bit too much, I think is what got him. So mm -hmm. after that, uh, I went into round three. So here I'm, I'm feeling good. I got two wins, round one and two, you know, and, and it's funny. I was actually joking with, with Scott Reed, the, the TO. I said, yo, Scott, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. Why the hell would I win twice with big scores? Now I got to go play somebody actually good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, man. Not the, that's not the experience I was going for this weekend. And sure enough, I roll into round three against Matthew Jones and his he, now he had legions of Nagash. Plus Night Haunt was his yeah. uh, his list there, and it was just a big old horde of uh, of uh, what are those Grave Guard, the Choppy Skeletons, and uh, and some other stuff like that. Um, oh, he had oh. some 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 skeleton, some undead cavalry of some kind. Let me let me bring that list up and look at it here. Well, real quick, you know, half of the Night Haunt army, or two thirds of the Night Haunt units, are allowed in Legion, so it's not a Night Haunt Legion list. It's just a Legion list. Oh, is that how that goes? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so but, he had like a, a Cairn Ray, three Necromancers, a White King uh, on a Baleful Tomb Blade. Uh, he had three, two units of 30 Grave Guard, a unit of 10 Skeletons, two units of 10 Black Knights. And, okay. And this is a game that 
was mine to win and mine to lose. Um, basically, you know, we're playing what's yours is mine. Uh, so, you know, basically all I had to do was build a castle and keep him from getting my stuff and then wait for the right opportunity to maybe jump through a gnaw hole or, or launch something across the board to grab his objective. And I can say that everything he sent into my line got killed, um, but he also was bringing it back. And that's where I made some real mistakes in this game, uh, Alex. And, and I think you're going to appreciate these as an undead player. One, I did not create proper bubble wraps. Um, so oh, I created, John. I created, nope. I had, I had blocks of units ready to launch out and expand uh, when I should have created my classic multi-layer bubble wrap. So that let of him course, get into some juicy stuff a little too early, killed off a little too many of my monks too early. So that was a, uh, a big one on my part. The second mistake I made was going a little too hard against some of these units. I was whittling them down, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I should have left them at three or four models, touching my lines, attacking a clan rat here or there, instead of finishing these off and allowing him to resummon them. So that was my other really big mistake. Um, I did hold him off till turn four. Um, I mean, honestly, uh, I guess I could have been a, a jerk about it and, um, and kind of, uh, held at, you know, turn three, he hadn't taken me and there was only about five minutes left. And I could have said, Hey, there's five minutes left, not enough time for us to play another turn. Uh, but honestly, I looked at the board. I'm like, look, dude, you know, we don't need to play this next turn. You would definitely get into my thing. You've won this game. Good game. And so we moved on. You know, it's uh, it was just the fair thing. Now, why it took so long? Uh, well, I wasn't moving anywhere and I was mostly rolling saves. So I'll just kind of leave it at that. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so that was my day one. Alex, uh, I tell you what, two and one for me on a GT. That's a pretty good start of my day. How did you do, man? Uh, I think you kind of kicked ass this weekend. So, so tell me a little bit about your path to glory. Kinda, kinda. Um, you know, it was it was good. We started strong, or you know, yeah, we started very strong. You know, round one, I was going up against someone who was their first GT ever. Um, real nice guy, a guy named uh, Matt Abbott. He uh, brought blades of corn, um, and you know, he had a. Corp Pilgrim Battalion and a Tyrants of Blood uh, Battalion. He had three Bloodthirsters, one of which was, you know, the big scary Axe one that has the uh, AOE damage, the mortal wounds, the AOE mortal wounds. Um, he had a lot of Blood Reavers. And, uh, yeah, you know, when we start this first game out, I was looking and, you know, of course, reviewing the details of the packet in our last episode. I was thinking, well, what do I do for my Gambit in this one? I'm like... Well, he's got seven mortal units, and they all have multiple banners in them. And so, you know, looking at the packet, there's a secondary where if you can get at least two banners from your opponent, um, which is like a banner or a totem keyword or, or model, then you get that secondary um, or, or that gambit, rather. So I went, well, this one's going to be an obvious choice, just so I also don't have to really deal with it in, a, in another game. So I took that secondary. It was a real great game. Um, you know, we played hard fought. Uh, I, I went very aggressive in my my turn. So he, uh, you know, playing an aggressive army didn't have a lot of a chance to really be attacky to me. Rather, he had to respond to me instead and uh, became a very solid win for me very quickly. Uh, game two was a real interesting one, not only because uh, I played a great guy, but also 
because his list was something I was completely uh, taken off guard by. And I played a uh, Jeff Painter, a good player from up north in Canada. Uh, He brought a Cities of Sigmar list, a Hollow Heart list. So for our listeners and for you, John, Hollow Heart is a a city that's all about wizards. Uh, They have bonuses to casting. And uh, he brought a Luminarch, a Sorceress, a Battle Mage, uh, uh, another Battle Mage, another Sorceress, a Lord Arcanum, and his general was uh, that Luminarch, but it was actually a Luminarch with a Battle Mage on it. So it was basically two Sorcerers, two Battle Mages, and a Lord Arcanum. So, um, you know, it's, it's a great list with a lot of different heroes, and they're all casters, and they're all level two casters. Um, he then had minimum units of just dread spear, uh, you know, dark elf guys with spears, uh, for their battle line. And he had 10 protectors, which he admitted at the end of his game was a little bit of a strange thing to have in his list. Um, you know, he had four star soul maces, but that was fine. Um, he had the, uh, white fire retinue, which, uh, I think is the thing that made plus one to cast for all of his, uh, casters. Um, but he also brought. 460 points worth of endless spells. <laughs> uh, wow, that's pretty brutal, man. Right, right. He brought the Emerald Life Swarm, the Geminids of Ulgush, uh, just so the Geminids, uh, the Purple Sun, Prismatic Palisade, Umbral Spell Portal, Everblades Comet, Soul Shackle Snares, and a Bailwind Vortex. What so the hell? Yeah. So, you know, basically one of his wizards becomes a level three uh, caster, essentially. So, you know, he's got uh, 13 casts a turn, basically. And um, let me tell you, this took me off guard. You know, he made me go first. He, um, no, I I beat him on drop. So I went first, I think. No, no, he definitely would have beaten me on drops with his battalion. Uh, so he, he made me go first. I jumped on the objectives because um, it was border war. Uh, and then he lights me up. Uh, but the thing was, he never got a double turn against me, which was unfortunate because with the double turn, I think he would have done a lot, of da- a lot more damage to me. But he just had so many endless spells and they were so strong all in combination with each other, you know, dispelling the Everblaze Comet, bringing it back. And, uh, you know, his, his general, which was the Lord Arcanum, it actually wasn't the Luminarch. I, I, I mis, uh, mis, uh, communicated that. Um, he had the, uh, some uh, artifact called the Prism, which actually made him a plus four to, uh, to uh, casting and, and, and unbind. So he basically had one guy who'd be able to shut down my spells and also be able to cast real strong. So, uh, yeah, it was really good. Uh, it was a really good game, you know, but at the end of the day, it was a four objective mission and he had very easily killable battle line and a bunch of heroes and, uh, that did not pode well, well for him. But one of the best other, th- other things that played a big role in this game is this was in the realm of metal and the realmscape feature in this mission was the one where if you roll a double at all for casting. It could be double sixes, it could be double one, it could be double threes, it doesn't matter. If you roll any doubles when casting a spell, the spell is automatically cast and cannot be unbound. In addition to that, all units within three inches of the caster take one mortal wound. Wow. So he had 13 casts, and he definitely started rolling lots of doubles. Now, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, how did this play out? Was he honest about it? Tried to sneak it through? What happened? 
Oh, once I saw his list, I, I was always I was looking dead eye at his casting. <laughs> um, and it happened a few times for me, as it would. I mean, I have five ca- uh, five spells to cast a turn in my Night Hunt list. Um, and uh, to talk about something I sh- may have mentioned earlier, yeah, of course, I'm bringing Night Hunt for our listeners who have listened to me for some time. I really haven't changed my list all that much, so we don't have to really dive into that. But uh, yeah, you know, with 13 casts a turn, uh, he definitely was rolling ones, and there was one uh turn i think it was turn two or three where almost half of his casts were doubles and so he was taking a lot of damage but the good thing was um mo- I, I, on turn one he was also rolling doubles but uh the luminarch the battle mage uh, luminarch has a special ability where he basically gives an aura of shrug saves so thankfully he was able to shrug off mortal wounds as they were coming in from casting his own spells but there was even a turn where he even looked at me and said uh, I did more damage to myself than I did to you this turn. And I said, I, I, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> you know, it, it, it happens. Um, but he was a really great guy. It was a real fun game. Um, you know, it, it's, it was one of those things where maybe if, uh, you know, we would have needed to really try to avoid certain matchups in that li- with that list in this type of game, especially with that mission. And the problem was, with that kind of list, you're you're forced to have to cast spells. You you can't can't cast spells. If you don't, you're not playing that list right. So, you know, he's shoehorned into a tough spot. Uh, you know, my third and final game. Uh, game I mean, I, I would say Alex, just just to interrupt you real quick there. That that to me highlights the necessity to design and tailor lists towards the mission and packet when it's available ahead of time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, that's why every time there's a mission, uh, you know, if there's a GT that I'm going to, and it's got a mission with heroes. I always make sure I have at least five heroes. You know, it's important for us to have good battle line. If duality of death is involved, it's important to, you know, really expect a lot of this. So, um, but you know, he had a great time, real nice guy. Um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a fun game. Uh, my third round opponent, uh, was, it was also a really good game. Um, and it was a Robert Snyder. Uh, now I've played Robert before. And uh, it's been two years since we played, I think, or maybe even it was just last uh, SoCal Open. And I had I had his number in our la- the last time we played, and I was playing my my Legion. No, you know what? It was two years ago. My apologies, two years ago. And uh, I it was my Soul Blight versus his Flesh Eater Quartz. And this is before it was my pure Soul Blight versus his pure Flesh Eater Quartz. And this is back when both armies. Um, were just straight uh, General's Handbook Allegiance abilities. So there was no, you know, Gristle Gore. And, you know, I can't say that there's anything for Soul Blight because <clears throat> Games Workshop hasn't made a battle tome and might not ever, which uh, is unfortunate because that's like my favorite thing. Um, however, uh, I it was a good game. We both played elite strong armies at the time and, and uh, I ended up squeaking out a win. This time... Uh, we played, uh, again, as you mentioned with your game against Matthew, um, we played Knife to the Heart. So I thought, okay, well, I can play uh, on my objective and then maybe turn three, jump all over onto his objective and go for the win. Um, he brought a Blister Skin Flesh Eater Court Army with an Aberrant Arch Regent, uh, two Infernal Courtiers, two Ghoul Kings on uh, Royal Terror Geist, and then all he had left was nine or three units of three, so nine Crypt Flayers real small army and you know knowing full well he could summon two more units of flares and at least 20 ghouls you know i i knew that 
I would need to be smart about making sure that he can't get into my back line with ambushing summoned units. Uh, or he could also summon a Vargov. Um, and I made a few th uh, issues where I overextended myself. And I can tell you if Jeremy was here, he would interrupt me right now and yell, Alex, you always overextend yourself. But uh, which isn't necessarily wrong. It's definitely if I lose my games, it's usually because I've overextended myself. Alex, and, you will always overextend yourself. Okay. Okay. As much as I like to joke around about his accent, he's not he doesn't have that French of an accent. Oh yeah, but you're you're pretending like I'm any good at accents. That's that's all I got. <laughs> There's fair no enough. subtlety. Fair enough, fair enough. Um yeah, so you know, it was it was a good game. He hits my uh, my uh my line turn one because uh, blister skin is plus two to move. So those are 16 inch move uh, uh, terror guys. And he looks at me, you know, uh, especially my turn and goes, Hey, you going to cast the cogs. And I'm like, fucking like hell I am. <laughs> You're already fast enough. I don't want to make you plus four to move. Um, so he brings six, uh, one courtier, one terror guys and uh, two units of flares into my front line after buffing them all up. And uh, he hits my front line. He uses the, the command ability to um, immediately attack twice with his, uh, with his Terror Geist and proceeds to do no mortal wounds and only kill five out of 20 Revenants in a unit with a double activating Ghoul King on Terror Geist. And he was just flabbergasted that his dice rolled that cold. Um, we then continue to play. He's basically got those three units or four units on my entire army and we're holding them back. We're slowly whittling them away. Uh, I didn't properly start eliminating the whole units of flares, which is my fault because the courtiers basically rolled like eight dice. And if he rolls at least one, five and one, six, that three man, uh, one man unit becomes a three man unit again. So it's a little frustrating there. Um, didn't properly uh, engage that the right way. Um, you know, there were a few things that played a role in the game that, that, May not necessarily be be mentionable. However, at the end, uh, he did end up just wrapping it up and uh, kicking the crap out of me, uh, uh, tabling me on turn five, and uh, ended up getting the win. So uh, you know, it's it was a not a maximum win, not a complete blowout, but uh, and it wasn't so it wasn't a complete blowout loss for me, but it was something, and it was a loss, and uh, it was a fun game. Uh, and and that's kind of how we uh, we both took it in the shorts round three then, huh? Yeah, we both took it in the shorts round three. <laughs> uh, okay, so day two. We've already been drinking Saturday night. You know, we went out. We had a real fun time at the bars. And, uh, you know, our good friend Cody got a little sick, unfortunately. But, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. But, yes, that was interesting. <laughs> Oh, I'll mention it because he's going to hear this. He's definitely going to hear this. Cody got sick, everyone. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I, once again, banned from another cool establishment because of my uh, buds who can't hang. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And you know what the best part is? He's not on here to argue with us about it. Yeah, so... fair, enough. fair enough. I think uh, I was talking with afterwards where we decided that everybody gets at least one. So, Cody, you've used your one. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Everybody gets one. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, you know, we, we had some good food. We did the, you know, I did the pepper challenge yes, you did. on Saturday night. 
Um, you know, we also, and, and I failed to mention this, but we had some dress up. You know, this was the weekend before Halloween. And last year I wore a sweaty onesie for a skeleton onesie for an entire weekend. And I told myself, you know what? From now on, I'm going to bring two costumes. So last, uh, on Saturday for uh, our listeners, John uh, and I both had some, uh, some costumes we wore. Uh, I was, uh, I made myself White Claw Summer 2019. So I dressed up like a White Claw, basically. Uh, John, you were a pirate, right? Yeah, I was a pirate. I, uh, this late last year at the Renaissance Fair, I bought a, a really cool, nice uh, yellow shirt uh, that happens to match my yellow Skaven army. And uh, put on a bandana. I actually brought my pirate hat, but I figured it'd be too hot. So I just wore a bandana for the day. And I'm going to say right now, bad choice on my part. Uh, and I didn't mention it while I was talking about round three. But in my round three game, my poofy sleeve, it snagged on the horn of my um, warp seer and knocked him off the table onto the ground. Oh, <sighs> no. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, he didn't break, though. So I picked him up, put him back on the table. And about two minutes later, um, my sleeve caught again on his horn and knocked him off a second time onto the ground. Concrete floor, by the way, guys. And uh, luckily, luckily, I um, he's magnetized in his weapons, and I've uh, pinned and wired him to his base, so nothing broke. Put him up, put him back on the table. Said, man, that was dumb. I can't believe I dropped him twice and then turned and immediately dropped him a third time. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And he didn't break. Now I figured, hey, you know what? I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to be real careful now. And so I was real surprised when I knocked him off the fourth time and he <laughs> broke. <laughs> yeah, boy, did he break. No <laughs> shit. He broke. Oh, so, my God. yeah. So I, I got some repair on my workbench this week. So, yeah. <laughs> no puffy shoots for me in the future. It'll be uh, simple costumes like uh, with no sleeves, perhaps. Maybe maybe oh. I'll be uh, uh, a white claw or something. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. So going into day two, you know, we were all looking and, and Scott doesn't generally like to really post the next pairings. And, and I understand why. Yep. And a big reason for that is because people generally like to drop sometimes. So he wanted to make sure that he had a full view of who was going to be there and who wasn't going to be there for day two before starting the next pairings. So it looked pretty clear to me who my next opponent was. And, uh, you know, it may have looked pretty clear to what your, who your next opponent was too. But, John, how did your round four go? Sure, sure. So uh, going into round four, of course, uh, let's see. We were playing uh, Places of Arcane Power. Now, yep. this Places of Arcane Power mission is one of the ones that caused me to make changes in my list. Like, one of the weaknesses I had found was that I was running three of the uh, war engine leaders, so furnaces and uh, screaming bells uh, in my list, but I lacked some high-speed mobility to go out and stand on this. And also with only three characters, if I lost a character, it put me in a bad place. So these, this mission more than anything is what caused me to redesign my list. So uh, going in, uh, I had a pretty good plan. I was playing against Mr. Kurt Roper. Uh, with mm -hmm. his Daughters of Cain. And he had kind of a nice list. He had a Slaughter Queen, uh, hag, two Hag Queens. He had the Blood Rack Medusa. Uh, his battle line, he had 30 Witch Elves, uh, two more units of 10 Witch Elves. Then he had two units of five Liberators. Mm. He had some Blood Stalkers. He had 20 of the uh, Canary Life Takers. Those are the melee ones. Uh, yeah. He had five Judicators with Skybolt Bowls. And three prosecutors with storm 
call Javelins. And I guess uh, he took the Shadowhammer Compact, and I guess the battalion or something in his list, or maybe the city he was from, basically allowed him to, uh, I think it was once per uh, hero phase, he could choose a unit, or maybe it was just uh, per turn, he could like choose two units, and they would either get to uh, shoot again, or shoot in the hero phase, or move in the hero phase, or swing at combat in the hero phase. Uh, I think that was how it worked. So something along those lines. Anyways, bottom line is, he had some kind of extra fun mechanic that allowed his Daughters of Cain and Stormcast to interact with each other and get extra shots off. Yeah, that was it. Extra shots off during the hero phase, as a matter of fact. So so pretty nasty list. And um, we decided to play with a time clock. And this game was very interesting. Basically, uh, he came up and took the left flank right off the bat. And I took the right flank. I had bottom of turn, but he wasn't able quite to get to the right flank objective. So uh, I went out there and I took that objective. And then he took the middle and I took it back. Uh, or excuse me, and he held it for two turns. And then I took the middle and I held it for two turns. Uh, and that's pretty much how the game went. We, uh, we had a dead tie across the entire game. Now, something kind of interesting happened. We, we did play with a time clock and it got down to where Kurt had a minute and a half left on his time clock. And I had, uh, you know, a little over 10 minutes, uh, probably close to 12 minutes left on my time clock. Okay. And here it was, I, we we're going into turn four and I said, Hey, let, let's stop the clock. So I paused the clock. I said, look, let's take a look at what's going on on the field here before, you know, realizing the guy had a minute and a half, I guess I could have just let his time run out and then just played two turns on my own, at which point I automatically win. Right. Of but, uh, but anyway, so I, I said, let's, let's, you know, you got a minute and a half left. Let's, let's see what's going on on the board. So we pause the time clock and we count up the score and we see that, yes, in fact, at the end of turn four, the game will be a dead tie and it will end as a tie. But I had taken the center objective with my Vermin Lord Warpseer, who was uninjured. And I said, look, dude, so I'll let you use my time on the time clock. Let's turn the time clock off. Just let's play this center. You assault, shoot me and assault with everything you can get into this guy. And if you can kill him, then you win the game. If you can't kill him, well, then it's a tie as it sits, right? And honestly, yeah. like I said, I could have instead just said, yeah, watch him burn off his minute and a half and then said, yeah, here, watch me win now as I have two turns to do what I want. But I, again, just like with my round three, I hate for the clock to be that final deciding factor, uh, even if my opponent isn't necessarily the fastest player in this situation. So I said, so we did it. So he's, we stopped. He ignored the rest of the board. He shot everything into the Vermin Lord that he could shoot. He assaulted. Now, he could not fully surround the Vermin Lord because I had actually had my uh, Screaming Bell up on one side and some clan rats on the other side, so he was only able to wrap about half, which limited the number of attacks he got in there. But he did get in with uh, some, uh, some Medusas. He got a character in there. He got some Witch Elves in there. Oh, even was able to get a liberator in there and, and take a swing with that guy. So, so all kinds of stuff swung and man, he did a bunch of wounds and a bunch of damage, but you know, it's a vermin Lord warps here. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, he had about a quarter of his army swinging into him and he walked away with, you know, three or four wounds. I think he had three wounds after all of that. And so we called it a good game. The game was a tie and uh, it was a lot of fun. So rolling into round five, uh, I saw that if nobody dropped, I was going to be playing Mr. Will Hodges. Now, Will Hodges, uh, of course, you know, from uh, up there in the Northwest, right? 
Uh, he, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I assume he's from the Northwest because I met him a few years ago. Uh, remember when I came up? What was that that GT that I played at with my Tau up there? Um, Guardian Cup. Guardian Cup, yeah. So I played against Will at the Guardian Cup. Uh, so he and I knew each other. We had a great game at the Guardian Cup. Yeah, right. And uh, and so yeah, we're we're like excited. We're like yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, a meeting a meeting of old friends. So now Will brought the big wah. Now, unlike Frank's big wah with a bunch of pigs and all that good stuff in it, uh, Will was running uh, a mega boss on the um, uh, what do you call that thing? The uh, uh, well, he had a mega boss. He had uh, I don't even want to read his whole list off here because it's kind of hard to read. But he had a bunch of Ard boys. He had the um, uh, the big cabbage guy. He had some shamans and all that good stuff, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What's what's that? What's that big dragon called? Actually, uh, I call it. I always call it the cabbage, and it makes me not think of the correct name for that thing. Maw crusher. Maw crusher. That's it. So he, he had the big maw crusher going in there. So so, anyways, this time by this stage of the game, I had my uh, my bubble wrap uh, perfected. I should mention that we were playing focal points in Hayish. Uh, so focal points is the one with five objectives: one in the center, uh, one on each of the sides, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so. We went in there, and uh, I set up my bubble wrap. He, of course, took the first turn. He charged in. He hit the bubble wrap on one side, peeled it away, and monks came and gobbled him over there. Now, I got to apologize to Will. I made uh, a major mistake. Um, As I analyzed it afterwards, it actually worked out to his advantage, but it didn't seem like it at the moment, I think. And he was charging some of his his art boys into my clan rats that were holding the uh, one of the objectives on the right flank and they were inside of a building it was a building you couldn't see through so like some classic 40k looking ruins and just an l-shaped ruin and he was said well i can i swing through the wall and i'm like i'm pretty sure you can't swing through a wall if you can't see the unit and and i i just had remembered something about that and so we went with it. And so he just charged at the angle on the side and was still able to kill some clan rats and all that stuff and still was able to get into the objective. Uh, but then immediately we we looked it up or he looked it up and he's like, hey, man, I think you're wrong on that. And so I looked and, I, and sure enough, I was completely wrong on that. He could, in fact, have swung at my clan rats through the wall. However, that would have brought more of his Ard boys in to swing against the clan rats, but it wouldn't have been enough to finish the clan rats off just by, by numbers and odds. There would have been plenty of clan rats left. What would have actually happened is the way my clan rats were in that building, when I countercharged the Ard boys with a buffed up unit of monks, I was only able to get seven monks in against the Ard boys because they were sliding into a gap where I had peeled back a few clan rats on the right-hand side. However, if that wall had been filled with Ard boys, I could have pulled the entire clan rat unit back and instead charged him with a full unit of monks, fully buffed, and they would have made full contact. And, you know... One of the small things about the current rules in AOS, when you encounter a wall, as you know, you can climb up and over the wall. And if your movement doesn't take you over the wall, you stop partway up the wall. So when you assault a unit on the other side of the wall, say with my monks, instead of only getting two ranks in, I can get three ranks in because the first rank is partially up the wall. The second (laughs) one is touching the wall. The third one is behind them in the gaps. Okay. And so ultimately by he, I was only able to get six or seven monks instead of, you know, 
38 monks <laughs> into his Ard Boys. And because of that, they actually were able to uh, to stick around for a couple more turns, whereas I think I would have got them. Now, in the end, uh, my monks that had chewed up his Ard Boys on the left side were able to shoot out to the middle. And he had a big arc of, again, more Ard Boys uh, holding the center objective exactly at six inches. So when I charged in with those monks, I formed an arc that was now exactly six inches off the objective not holding the objective. Well, he sent in his Maw Crusher, shot them a little bit, and then charged into that arc. Boom! He did, he did nothing with his shots, breath weapon, whatever, but he did exactly 40 wounds to my monks. I was like, well, that's it to those monks. And I picked up the whole unit, except they were death frenzied. And they were two ranks deep, in an arc mm. and when he jumped in he had exactly filled the arc that was left by the our boys with his mark maw crusher so every single one of those monks was able to pile in every oh. single one of them was able to make its attacks and even though he had a two up re-rollable with a six up feel no pain on the maw crusher man that was a lot of attacks alex re-rolling wounds re-rolling hits uh yeah what can I say? I killed that Maw Crusher. And at that point, you know, uh, I think there was a couple Ard Boys in one unit and a couple Ard Boys in another unit, but all the rest were pretty much dead. Um, I had more than three times his points because I had really been focusing on holding those objective points. And, uh, you know, we were rolling into turn four. I think we had like 15, 20 minutes left on the clock. And he just went ahead and conceded, called it a good game. It was a great game. I tell you what, it was not, even though my story may make it sound like it was all in the bag from my side, because that's my perspective, right? The fact is, it was a very back and forth game between Will and I. There were multiple points in the game where I was certain he was going to win it. And then I was able to flip it around, lucky dice, lucky maneuvering, all that good stuff. I tell you what, that round five, super fun game, Will great opponent, great guy. In fact, I, I will simply say yeah. that the two funnest games I had out of all five this weekend were my two games against the Big Wah. Tough, huh. hard, hard hitting, but not impossible to play against a very interactive army. You're still playing your game, even if you're getting your, uh, your army uh, crushed and slaughtered by those mean old orcs. So a lot of fun, great event, great stuff. Uh, how about you, Alex? Uh, what, what happened on your day two? Well, uh, you know, that real quick, did, wasn't your game against Will your fourth round opponent? No, Kurt was my round four and Will oh, was my round five. My apologies. Yeah. You're yeah, right. yeah. That it um, you know, for me, my day two, uh, as I mentioned, I could already tell who I was going to probably play. And it was actually going to go boil down to Will, possibly, or it was going to dive into Chris Bergman. And Chris is, you know, he went to LV, or BAO. Um, you know, the event that you, of course, T.O. John, yep. uh, and he, is, he plays Heat Knight. He plays Heat Knight. Is he and number last, one in Slanesh right now? Uh, no, I think Dutch Adams still is. And in okay. fact, the last time I played against Slanesh was against Dutch Adams in the Nova RTT. So I had, and that was a double seeker, or not double seeker, double keeper list. So I was like already coming to my own conclusions about how that game was going to go. And it was Places of Arcane Power, as you mentioned. And I thought, okay, well, you know, time to put on, you know, time to buckle up and see what we can do. And, uh, you know, I never played Chris before. It was a great game. Uh, we 
jumped straight into things. He uh, gave me first turn. So I, uh, he had a one keeper of secrets only, just one. Um, he had a Bray Shaman. He had a lot of beastmen in his Slanesh army. He had the Depraved Drove Battalion. Um, he had one uh, Epitome. Uh, and he had a 30-man unit of Domestigors, a max unit of Seekers. I think it was like a 20-seeker uh, uh, 20 unit, uh, a 40-ungor unit, and then two min-ungor units after that, two 10-man ungor units. Um, so he makes me go first. I jump on my objective. He had completely bubble-wrapped his army to in a way where I thought, okay, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. He's putting his heroes uh, in a bubble wrap, and he's going to have to move a crazy amount of inches in order to get past it and, and really move around. Even if those units run at like the opening of the bubble wrap, you know, the, the space between units. So I jump on all the objectives and I tell him to come at me, bro. And, uh, he comes at me. <laughs> we both had the cogs and I cast, or I think I failed to cast turn one, but the, for the remainder of it, uh, he also, just like Robert, asked me, you know, oh, you, you want to speed up time? And I said, not on your life, uh, because Slanesh is so fast. And, uh, you know, he had the cogs. He got his cogs off. I couldn't unbind it. Um, so everything was plus two to move. Then all of his beastmen were plus one to move because of the horns. Uh, that include, so the Ungors and the Bastigors. Um, and... He was able to be plus two to move, plus one, and um, and he just rolled real high on a lot of his runs, and oh, wow. everything can and everything can run in charge in that army. So you know his bubble wrap on both on both ends of the opening, both move fourteen inches away from each other. So all of a sudden the keepers got a huge space to go through, and then the seekers they actually rolled two d six when they run, um, and so he moved twenty six inches with his seekers uh, immediately. Um, you know, being able to, of course, run in charge. So he hits my hard, uh, my front line, and he and he hits it hard um, on all angles. Uh, on one angle, I had uh, some things don't go his way. So almost all of his army hits my shroud guard battalion and some chain rasps. And as the game goes on, uh, I am able to hold the objectives, every single objective, until turn four. He kills Raikonor with. Uh, with some lucky attacks by the keeper. No, actually, Ungor surround him and kill him. That's actually what happened. Um, so, you know, to long story short, throughout the whole game, he doesn't jump on a single objective, um, and all he's got left is a degraded uh, keeper in terms of heroes. He then is able to summon one more hero, but it doesn't really matter in the long run there. The, the, the game is already over. However, there were a few big interesting points that happened. The main one was... Uh, the fact that I continuously would throw chain rasp units into his keeper. Um, and, and so he was basically hitting chaff. Um, but also uh, his 30 man Bestigor unit jumped in and uh, turn one charged my 20 heritons. Now they had a, they have a four inch pile in and they're only one inch range, but that four inch pile in does a lot of good. And he had rolled a very good charge. Problem was, uh, his bravery is six. Bravery characteristic is six. Yikes. Meaning that he'd be minus one against Night Hunt. And uh, with the Herodans, that would make them uh, minus one to hit if they were within three inches of the Herodans. Now, that wasn't a huge deal for him because I think it just ended up being a plus one, minus one. I'm, I don't. I, I can't really recall. But, uh, you know, they my, my Herodans were Mystic Shielded. Turn one, he kills 12 Herodans. Um, but the Herodans respond back and kill like 18 of the best cigars. 
So he's already in a tough spot. Um, and, and so by, I think, turn three, I had already solidly had, had one side of the table with not a lot of models, mind you, but enough to be enough so that if he had completely wiped out everything but some Herodons and my general, I would still win the game just because the general would have at least two or three more turns of just hopping on the, uh, keeping on the objective while he slowly got to me. Um, but it was a great game. It was a learning experience for me. I think it might've been a learning experience for Chris. I had never played him before. Uh, so it was really, really great to see him. You know, he's from the East coast. So sure. I might not always be able to play him a, a bunch, but, uh, I do look forward to possibly playing him again. Uh, my final game, uh, I wasn't sure who I was going to play. Our good, you know, Jeremy was obviously in first place, undefeated with the uh, highest scores. Yes, uh, uh, and then rocketed through the tournament. Yeah, and uh, I had a loss. I was the person with the highest score with a loss, so I wasn't quite sure between people who had had draws or low point wins who I was going to play. And uh, eventually, you know, pairings for round five come up, and I am paired against Greg Geo who is another wobbly modeler. Uh, he is also of Team America fame. And uh, we were playing, oh boy, what were we playing? Um, focal points, I right. think, for focal the last points. round. Yep. Focal points. And he had Skaven, just like you. Um, well, not just had, like mine, but he definitely had Skaven. <laughs> he definitely had Skaven. Um, so, you know, that one was, we both had to play precision. You know, he was very excited to watch his Patriots game. He had his Patriots jersey on. Um, you know, we had some banter back and forth as a, as we like to do, I'm sure. Um, but uh, he had a, he had a pretty shooty list, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah. So he had a, uh, he had a warp seer. He also had an engineer. He also had a, a gray seer on a screaming belt, who I believe was his general. Uh, he then had minimum units of 20 clan rats, uh, three units of 20 clan rats just to fill up some battle line, two units of 40 plague monks, uh, mm. as Skaven players like to do also, um, and then a six-man unit of storm fiends. Now, he had two of them with the mortars, two of them with the gatling guns, and one of each of the close combat weapons. Ooh, um, nice. Yeah, so it was a bit of an interesting list, but he also had um, the... Uh, uh, the the bridge the soul scream bridge right and uh you know in his deployment he was very meticulous with his deployment you know it took a lot of time to make sure he could have uh the object you know i i already knew what was going to happen in a way and i really was also i was kind of conflicted because i was like is he doing this to mess with me to make a bad decision to think he's actually going to do it when he doesn't or is he actually planning on doing this and after about 10 minutes or so i realized that he was going he was definitely going to do this if i if he had a chance and he had put the soul screen bridge out while he was deploying and would semi-frequently uh, put the, the next base out for the soul screen bridge at the appropriate distance away, just in case, um, in, in order to put his army down. And his entire army was based on uh, one of his holes. So whenever I fight against uh, Skaven, you know, holes are definitely either a distraction or a boon for you. If I, if I, if you put them near my deployment, I'm definitely going to deploy near them so you can't be on them. But then I'm um, not elsewhere, right? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's what gnaw holes are. If you don't allow them to distract you, they become a boon for me. Exactly. Exactly. So they're a damned if you do, damned if you don't, very much. But, uh, you know, I put my chain rasps on there, and that's an appropriate thing that can just st sit near them and uh, really try to avoid things there. Uh, now... When we, uh, you know, uh, uh, took some time for, for deployment because he wanted to make sure that uh, 
every single unit in his army besides the clan rats were wholly within six inches of the uh, of where the skull, soul scream bridge could be. So he basically started the game with a little base on top of his knot hole. And uh, at first I thought there's no way he could do that. Not with uh, six storm, you know, 80 clan rats, a few heroes and, uh, you know, a, a behemoth uh, and, and a whole unit of max unit of storm fiends. But uh, we double checked it and uh, yeah, he was totally able to do that. And uh, it completely blew my mind. And I'm sure he already knew that. So it was kind of like, you know, okay, Alex, here you go. You know, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, you, you could totally do that. And um, he gives turn one to me. Uh, I need to hold the, I need to jump on the objectives as soon as possible. So I do. Um, I hit all of them, but his, and uh, I get a very lucky charge off. I rolled uh boxcars on my charge with my Ravenauts who wow. I had teleported to get an extra movement. And I get uh Raikonor, or no, I don't think turn one, I get Raikonor. I don't. Um, and I'm able to kill almost all of his clan rats in two turns. Um, but that first charge rolling boxcars gets me into a distance where he won't be able to put the soul screen bridge anywhere um, uh, because of how I put my models. Um, now he still was able to put it down eventually but um, he wasn't able to, or he was able to actually put it down, but he wasn't actually put, able to put any models down uh, around it because the models at least nine inches away. So my apologies. No, he was actually fully able to fit it. He just wasn't able to do anything with it, which he did save for later eventually. Um, turn, you know, uh, as the game got, went on, uh, my shroud guard got completely wiped out. I definitely overextended. So here's Jeremy somewhere out there in the ether, uh, pulling his hair out, uh, yelling at me uh, about that, but I definitely overextended myself, uh, in certain areas. And, uh, I was able to just easily eliminate his, his, his battle line, uh, except for two. Um, but the, uh, storm fiends did what storm fiends do. And, um, you know, he was finally able to get death frenzy off and, uh, you know, hell, I mean, death frenzy did, killed two of my heroes alone. So I definitely made some bad moves. I put some chain rasps in angles that I shouldn't have. Um, but, you know, the game came down and uh, by turn three, uh, I was able to um, jump on an ob objective and have uh, have it end up being um, eight to, oh, bear with me here, eight to uh, 17. And, uh, by then, um, you know, we were, we rolled priority for turn four. Um, he was, all I had left was two heroes and some chain rasps. Um, and we rolled for priority to see what would happen. I got the double turn against him and I just, you know, right then and there, uh, I, I, we had talked about how, you know, the objectives that I could get at that point and how we, uh, you know, I, I would be getting just a few more points than at the end of the game. Um, so, you know, we, we both wished that we would be able to, you know, get everything in by, by the end. And, uh, you know, uh, I've definitely done that. <laughs> Broadside Bash a few years ago or about seven years ago, uh, we were at the final table, me and uh, Pajama Pants for 40K. And then we were allowed to play that full game, which is really great when you're able to play that full game in the final round. Um but I, I don't think all the other attendants enjoyed it that much because I think we were like an hour and a half over or something. It was, it was a little crazy. Well, um, slow play. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hold on. It was a great game. There was a lot of precision involved. Uh, I squeaked out a win, but I wasn't able to get really any of my objectives. Um, he definitely got his. 
uh, and, you know, he needed to kill Lady O, which he death frenzied her. Um, but it was a great game. Uh, and I, I really look forward to playing him again. Um, you know, it, it ended up leading to me being getting best death. Um, uh, you getting best chaos, I believe. Is that right? No, no, no. Oh, is that, who is that? What are you, you take best chaos from me again? <laughs> oh my gosh. Was it Joe? <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was your, well, it your was guy. Great. Yeah, it was, yeah great. it was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so yeah. congratulations on Greg for getting best chaos. Jeremy, who won it all, you know, uh, again, uh, got best order because, of course, he brought his fire slayers. Uh, we don't have to talk about his list because sure, everyone is uh, already well aware of what his list is. Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll let him talk about it next week or something if he's inclined. Yeah, and then our good friend Frank ended up getting best destruction with his uh, with his grand walk. So we were all very excited for that. And overall, uh, Jeremy got first, I got second, uh, Greg actually got fourth. Um, so he, you know, did did really well. Got a bunch of ITC points there uh, uh, as well with that uh, with that final standing. And then uh, I had never met him before, but he had came up to me and shook my hand at the end. I really wish I got to know him better. Uh, I hope I see him again. But the guy who got third place was a grand host and a gash player who brought Nagash and um, had a real interesting list with a uh, night hunt spells and normal endless spells. And it was a Gareth Thomas. Um, so, you know, uh, it was good to meet people to see how, how uh, other people play. And, you know, like a, like a GT or a major, it's, it's always good to, to hang out and have a fun time. So overall, uh, it was a pretty great experience, you know. Hey, hey uh, wait a sec. Wait a second, Alex. Wait a second. You're talking about some other schlubs and how they did? What about myself? I myself happened to take 10th place at the event. Second, did. Second best chaos for the record. And mm-hmm. there were only two chaos players in the top 10, both of us playing Skaven, as it were. So there's that. And... I got a plaque for be it having second best hobbyist as well. Mm. And you know who won best hobbyist was of course, Ooh. Daniel Callahan who wins best painted literally at every single tournament and GT I run. Uh, so being as he was the one who beat me out for best hobbyist, I don't feel so bad about it, but yeah, I still got a pretty nice plaque out of the whole thing and some, some great prize support, of course. So, so yeah, man, 10th place and second best hobbyist. I'll take that any day. Uh, I will mention that is my own, personal best actual placing at a uh, a major gt uh i took 16th at uh nova which is by percentage a higher placing but 10th place is my personal best so pretty pretty happy with that actually alex good i'm glad to hear that uh and you know it's a really fun event scott runs a great ship um you know it's it's one of those things where I think the only thing I told him was, you know, hey, I would love to see a, uh, I would love to see a wooden spoon next year, you know. Um, so, you know, we, we, I would definitely want to see what we could do to have a fun AOS wooden spoon. But uh, besides that, yeah, the systems, uh, the, you know, the, the missions chosen, all the rules that we had in the packet, they all ended up making a real fun event. Oh, I agree. Super fun event. Well run, you know, the TO sets the atmosphere, sets the pace, sets the tone for the event, and Scott sets a great tone for the events he runs. Very fair judging. I didn't hear anybody grumbling about anything like that. 
uh, beautiful oh. terrain. That the terrain that he brings and continues to build and bring to these events is amazing. Uh, those of you who came up to the BAO, most of that terrain was brought up by Scott, and so we had all of that same terrain at the SoCal Open. Beautiful themed board, so pretty, pretty awesome stuff. Once again, thank you very much, uh, Scott, for running this event, and of course, thank you to my opponents, Bill, Frank, Matt, Kurt, and Will. Uh, all great guys. Glad I got to play all of you, and uh, I look forward to uh, future games with each of you. Yeah, myself as well. You know, I'm I'm glad that we were able to play a whole range of uh, opponents, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's really great to see how many players have been added to the roster since, say, the first Soka Open or the one after that. So we're seeing a progression here, and I love to see that. Um, yeah, so. You know, that next big frontline gaming event is, of course, going to be LVO to wrap up the season. Um, we do have, you know, other events here and there throughout the year. You know, we do have your Winter Wars, of course, just around the corner in December. Yep. Is that December right? 21st, Winter Wars 4. Perfect, perfect. Okay. And, of course, we have that Wagapalooza event in a couple of weeks in Moscow, Idaho. Sounds fun. Um, yeah, we will have Jeremy back on uh, next week, and he'll be able to brag a little bit about his victory uh, as as he you know does enjoy sometimes. And uh, Alex, you must not overextend yourself. Had you were, you would have faced me in the championship, and then I could have beaten you again, like I always do. <laughs> There yeah, we go. That, that's, that's, okay. that's all you okay. need from him. Okay. <laughs> Verbage-wise, script-wise, that is actually a lot similar to what we <laughs> uh, But, you know, for our listeners out there, if you do enjoy this episode, again, uh, give us a shout-out on Facebook, and do be sure to like us on Facebook or Apple Podcasts, or again, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, for this week, this is going to be John and I signing off for the, uh, for the evening. Have a great night. Nighty night, folks. Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all the time thing. You don't win once in a while, and you don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. <laughs>